Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Welcome, everyone, to Emmanuel Church Online. We are so glad to have you here with us today, uh, this Sunday. I hope you are having a blessed day. I hope worship has blessed you. And I'm just excited for what God is going to do through his word today and more excited that in two in a couple of weeks as we are open as we are celebrating Easter we are going to be reopening our doors to be meeting in person here at the church Sunday April the 4th at 11:30 a.m. We are also going to be celebrating our third anniversary as Emmanuel Church the English congregation of Templo Emanuel and this last week we put out an announcement and I said four and I was just getting a little bit ahead of myself. But I'm still excited to see what God will do through this church and what God has done uh, through us already. We hope that you have been blessed by this ministry. And we are excited to see what God will continue to do through us and through you as we work towards reaching people for Jesus and welcoming them into this space. If you are not comfortable yet with meeting in person, that is a-okay. We are still going to be meeting online on Facebook, on YouTube, on our website, and in the Church Center app. So we don't, don't, you won't miss anything if you don't uh, come with us on Sunday, April the 4th. But we would love it if you could. We have been missing you dearly. And we are excited to see what God will do as we reopen and welcome you back into our building. Today, uh, as we get into the message, uh, the title of it today is Back on Track. Back on Track. And so we're going to be looking at the life of a, a glimpse in the life of Peter as we've been following the story of Jesus up until his crucifixion and his resurrection on Easter. We've been following the Jesus's path. And along this path, we, we have his disciples traveling with him. And now we're going to look at Peter. And Peter goes through an interesting journey. Peter has always been one of my favorite disciples, very relatable because he always says something wrong or does something wrong and I feel like that's definitely me. I, I filled with uh passion and and intrigue and excitement. He just wants to be out there and put himself forward and you know be the best he can be and yet at lo- a lot of times he ends up saying or doing the wrong things in moments of passion and moments of excitement. It is hard as often in the right place. So we're going to look at Peter in this story, as his present, as we're leading up to the cross, we see in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 31 to 35, Peter, it says this, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away... Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, 
This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said the same. So last week we talked about Jesus inviting his disciples with him to pray right before his betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane. This week is a look at Peter's past in terms of that. Right before we get to the garden, Jesus is telling the disciples everything that is going to about to unfold. And some of them still are really not sure what Jesus means or what he's talking to them about. Yet, Peter, in a fit of passion and love for Jesus, says, No, not me. I will never disown you. I will never abandon you. Yet, Jesus makes a prediction. He tells him, I'll tell, I'm telling you, Peter, you might feel that way right now, and that's not bad, but before this night is over, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. And none of us would like to hear that said of Jesus because by Jesus, let alone, by anybody, let alone Jesus, because we feel we When we follow Jesus, when we become Christians or we want to give ourselves over to God, give our lives to Jesus, we want to be able to do our best to follow him. And we would never imagine ourselves getting off track. We would never imagine ourselves denying him. Yet in life, things like that happen, sometimes without even realizing that this is an issue. A small story that kind of relates to this is I remember one time as I was driving to the gym, my brain was on auto autopilot. And that's not something that I recommend that you do. My brain was on autopilot. And so because it was on autopilot, I was driving. I knew where I was supposed to go. I really wasn't paying attention to the road. And no, I didn't get in an accident or anything like that. But I missed my exit. And as I missed my exit, I realized now I'm going to have to make a big turnaround to be able to go back and get to where I need to go. And so I make the turnaround, get back on the freeway and getting ready to the exit again. My brain once again starts wandering and I'm back on autopilot and I'm driving and I'm driving and I realize again, I've missed the exit one more time. And I can't believe that I've done this. And I can't believe that this is a thing that is happening to me. I was like, I almost gave up and just went home. I was like, how is it that I know where I'm supposed to go yet? I missed it. How is it that I know what I'm supposed to do? That I know what I'm feeling? That I know where I'm going? That I know what I'm I'm trying to get at? But yet I've missed it. Yet I've missed it. And a lot of times we are like that in our lives where we think we are following Jesus. We are doing our very best. Yet we're missing the point and we might be completely off track. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit, moving forward in the story to after the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus has now been betrayed and he is in the process of being brought before the Sanhedrin. He is in the process of being brought before Pilate. And they're trying him, trying to find a reason that they might crucify him. And now we have Peter in this story once again, trying to find his place in all of this. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 to 75, it says this. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You are also with Jesus of Galilee, she said. 
but he denied it all before them. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where the, another servant girl saw him and said to the people, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again and with an oath, I don't know that man. And after a little while, those standing there with Peter went Oh, those standing there went to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And he wept bitterly. This is the picture now of what Jesus had predicted. Something that Peter never would have imagined for himself, never would have in a million years thought would be happening to him. In fact, he probably didn't even realize in the moment that this is what was going on. We know that it's true because as soon as the rooster crowed, everything that Jesus said, everything that happened that night, the feeling of excitement and love that he had for Jesus in those moments where he spoke the words, this is, I will never deny you. His heart became broken as he found himself on the road waiting for Jesus while denying Jesus. Saying that he was there trying to follow Jesus to the cross to find out what was going to happen to him. Yet he was in denial that he was even with him. And maybe it was fear. Maybe it was worry, anxiety, or that he might end up in the same situation as Jesus. He was trying to preserve himself. Or maybe protect others. Or maybe protect the disciples for whatever reason. He found himself in a place of denying Christ. The thing is with us today, we can relate to Peter in that we might deny Christ without even realizing it. We deny Christ. We deny Jesus. We act like we do not know him. Not not by saying it, because most of us are not going to just write out say, oh, well, I don't know who Jesus is, and then attend church on Sunday. We're not just going to blatantly deny that we are a Christian. We're not just going to blatantly say that I don't know Jesus or I don't go to church for, for whatever reason. And maybe maybe that's happened to you, maybe in a situation where people don't even know you're a Christian, but the moment it's brought up, they're like, oh, I didn't even know. But we deny Christ not simply by our words, not not just by what we say. But we can deny Jesus in our lives. We can deny who he is and who we follow, who we say we follow, through our actions and through our inaction. We can deny him by what we do and what we don't do. What we do and what we don't do. Because our actions are powerful. They speak out from what we do. Our values are ingrained in what we do. Our, 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 our beliefs are ingrained in what we do. Our faith is ingrained in what we do. And our faith is an expression, is expressed through our actions. Is it, It's expressed what, what we do. 
So if we are living our lives and we are loving others as Jesus has called to love other called us to love others, then we are not denying Christ. Yet many times we might find ourselves in situations where we are not showing love, where we are not doing what Jesus has called us to do, and by that we have denied Christ in our lives. We might think that we're doing our best or that we are Christian simply because we go to church on Sunday or watch online on Sunday. We sing the songs, we know some memory verses, we know the VeggieTales songs. We've, we've done church camp. We've done women's camp, men's camp. We've done youth camp. We've done all the things that we should do. We have the Bible app on our phone. We look at it. We read the verse of the day. We might even pray normally, regularly, outside of just being at church and for our food. We might fit the bill of what it looks like to be a Christian. We avoid certain things that we say are bad. We avoid things that we think that will keep us from God. And so through our actions, we believe now we have demonstrated that we are disciples of Jesus. Yet, Jesus said that people will know who you are by how you love. And so our actions, if they are not defined by love, for others, for the least of these, for for the outcasts, for those who suffer injustice, then we are missing the point. We are denying Christ by our actions because our actions speak that we serve another God, that we serve money, that we serve our career, that we serve our influence, that we serve other people, that we serve a personality, that we serve any number of things. We could serve anything and we can call it Christian, but that doesn't mean we're following Jesus. And then there's inaction. Inaction is our, uh, as it really just says, not taking any action. When we see that there is good that can be done, love that can be given, and then do nothing. And we claim, well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even do anything in that situation. And that is there the problem. When we see someone who we can share the love of Christ and our inaction is a denial of who Jesus is. Is a denial of who we say we are. Now, I'm not talking about situations where maybe you cannot do anything. But I'm talking about a situation we see that we can make a difference and then yet do nothing out of fear out of other, for whatever reason, that we ex- or excuse that we give ourselves, our inaction then denies Christ. There is uh, a, an author that I follow on Twitter called David Dark, and he often tweets uh, these two separate lines of stories. That are one is there are so many ways to love God, and attached as he retweets is a story of how someone has expressed love for other people. To love others, to love God, and how we can love people. And sometimes they're funny. So, but they're often uplifting stories of how others are expressing love for Christ. Yet on the opposite end, he also shares uh, a series of tweets that say, There are so many ways to hate God. And we might think that that's a strong word, that we don't like using the word hate. Well, I don't hate God. I don't hate God. 
Yet in these series of tweets, he shares stories of how people are often abused or rejected or in, uh, uh, hurt by those that would claim to be followers of Jesus, by those that would call themselves Christians, yet they are sowing hate instead of love. And it doesn't look like hate. They, they, they might think they're even doing it out of religious devotion, out of faithful devotion to Jesus, that they are rejecting someone or pushing someone to the side. Yet, it is a way we hate God. And like I said, that's a strong word, but even Jesus himself said, you cannot serve two masters. When speaking of money and serving money and serving God, he says, you cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. It says, you will either love God or you will love money. And if you love money, you will hate God. If you love your addictions, you will hate God. If you love your sin, you will hate God. If you love your job more than your and your, your family and other things more than God, that you will hate Him. That's the language that Jesus often used. He says, you even hate. He says, to me, if you want to love me, if you want to follow me, you must hate your father, your mother, your brothers and sisters. To the point where it says it might seem like hate. But the reality is, is that we can hate God. We can deny Jesus by hating others, by sowing hate in other people, by expressing what we might think is religious devotion when God has called us to love other people. We deny Christ in our lives when we do not stand up for justice. We deny Christ when we don't care for the widow and the orphan. We deny Christ when we show contempt for the poor. We deny Christ when we would rather judge than love. We deny Christ when we are, do not welcome others into our homes, into our churches. We deny Christ either by our actions or our inactions. We will deny Jesus sometimes without even realizing we're doing it because we have called it devotion to God. Yet our failings... The good news in all of this is that we will find ourselves in situations like Peter, where we have denied Christ, where we're on the wrong track, where we're going the opposite direction of Jesus. We might find ourselves, if we closely examine and listen and actually listen to what we say and examine our actions and our inactions and our motives and our heart, if we will let God do that, we will see and we can change. Just like Peter. Peter was able to do the same thing. Peter was able to change. Peter was able to be different because of Jesus. The same Jesus we might deny is also the Jesus that accepts us back. That wants to bring us back on track. And so we move to the future in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 19, after Jesus has given his life, has been put in a tomb and then resurrected and is meeting with the disciples now. And he has a conversation with Peter and he asks him in John chapter 21, verse 15, he says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. Then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the time of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me, follow me. You see, Jesus didn't want to leave Peter where he was at. He doesn't want to leave any of us where we are at. There's often the saying that we might hear that Jesus takes us where as I am. And yeah, that's definitely true. He accepts us as who we are, where we are at. But he always leads us into something more, into something better, so we can be who he created us to be. Till we can glorify the image of God that he has put on us, that we can glorify Jesus by who we are. So he doesn't leave us how he wanted to be. And he didn't want to leave Peter how he was. And so he said, now as I have come back, I'm coming to restore you. So I need you to know, I I need to ask you, Peter, do you love me? He asks him three times and three times Jesus gives him a different uh, response. A way to show that love, to express that love. He says, then feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And so Jesus tells us here and shows us here Peter, if you love me, it's not just a matter of your words. I'm bringing you back. What I did on the cross was to take your failings, to take your denial, to take your imperfections, to take what makes you broken, to take what makes you imperfect on the cross, on me, and defeat sin and the grave so that I can reconnect you with God and reconnect you with me. And that's the great news. That's the good news. That is the gospel. Peter wasn't meant to stay in that point of denial, in that point of bitter weeping and brokenness. Instead, Jesus says, now 